Welcome to All Sides with Anna Staber. Tragedy struck the community of East Palestine a year ago. On February 3rd, a train carrying several different kinds of chemicals derailed. Tanker cars ruptured, and a decision was made to light those hazardous materials on fire rather than risk an explosion. The venting of vinyl chloride created huge, dark plumes of smoke and fears amongst those living near the Ohio-Pennsylvania border. They worried about the safety of their water, their farm fields, and even letting their children play in the backyard. We're looking at East Palestine this hour, what's changed in the year since the derailment, and what still needs to be done. Joining us to talk about the company's response is Norfolk Southern CEO Alan Shaw. Welcome to All Sides, Mr. Shaw. And it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. I want to start our conversation with what the National Transportation Safety Board points to as the cause of the accident. A wheel bearing that overheated, failed, and ultimately derailed those cars. What steps has your company taken to ensure that doesn't happen again? We've taken a number of steps to enhance safety at Norfolk Southern. You know, the NTSB preliminary report noted that the Norfolk Southern crew did everything that it needed to do. Uh, the hot box detector technology was working properly and there were no track defects. They, they point to a catastrophic failure of a wheel bearing of a car that no railroad owns. In response to the NTSB's preliminary report, Norfolk Southern instituted a six-point safety plan, which included increasing the array of hotbox detectors around our system, which are designed to detect overheated wheel bearings. We also partnered with the Georgia Tech Research Institute, uh, the next generation machine visioning train inspection portal, which uses 38 cameras that are utilized by the Department of Defense to monitor rocket launches. And it takes about a thousand pictures of each passing rail car and uses artificial intelligence to look for potential safety defects. And as you can imagine, the first train inspection portal that we put up is just west of East Palestine, Ohio. We promised in 2023 to make a safe railroad even safer and the number or the frequency of mainline accidents on norfolk southern declined 40 percent in 2023 so it's my understanding that that hot box detector that sensor triggered an alarm about the bearing before the derailment and the ntsb had some concerns about how that trigger was relayed and communicated to dispatchers. How have you guys worked to maybe get that information out faster? You know, we continue to advance our processes um, and our procedures around our hotbox detector network. We continue to invest in hotbox detectors and it's yielding results. You know, in 2020, too, the number of derailments on Norfolk Southern was the lowest in two decades. And then last year, the the mainline accident rate declined by 40%. We we promised to make a safe railroad even safer in 2023, and we delivered on that promise. So East Palestine is a village of about 5,000 people on the Pennsylvania border, but the wind blew smoke from that controlled burn far beyond those borders. And I understand that you guys have removed the soil underneath the two tracks, which I will note wasn't a requirement from regulators. It was a request of the people who live there. But there's a lot of farmers and ranchers around East Palestine who were concerned about their soil being contaminated. Um, The last time we spoke, you were still doing broad soil testing. Is that continuing? Or if not, what have you moved towards? Yeah, um, you know, the community around East Palestine, both here in in Ohio and in Pennsylvania, um, 
can be is an agricultural community and the Pennsylvania DEP said that the soil was safe for agriculture. Um, you know, state and federal and local authorities have continued to test the soil and um, the soil is safe for agriculture. And importantly, the US EPA and the Ohio EPA, which have very high standards, as you can imagine, um, have been involved in air monitoring and water monitoring ever since the derailment. And there's been thousands and thousands of tests and millions of data points. And they all come back and say that the air is safe to breathe and the water is safe to drink. And speaking of the water, one of the biggest questions after the derailment was whether any of the vinyl chloride got into the municipal water, private well water, or the Ohio River. Is there water monitoring still going on? Yes, water monitoring continues, um, both in wells and in village water. Norfolk Southern invested $4.3 million to upgrade the municipal water system to enhance safety there. And we're working with the US EPA and the Ohio EPA on testing and assessments of the various streams in the area. And we've, we've already cleaned out five culverts. And there was a number of places where uh, you guys had actually used like large buoys to block off the water. Has that, has that water been remediated? You know, we've moved about 47 million gallons of water off site. Um, and that, that work continues. We have exited the most intensive phase of the environmental remediation. And on site now, a lot of the work that's being done is, is soil backfill and beautification program around the area. Uh, we're working with local landowners um, to remediate and beautify the site the way the landowners want. You know, some would like plants, some want parking lots next to their businesses. And so we're listening to the community on how we can best invest Norfolk Southern's resources to help the community recover and help the community thrive. So I got to ask just for my own curiosity, where does the water and soil you take away go? It goes offsite to um, facilities that have been operating for decades that are specifically designed to handle this type of material. And, you know, officials monitoring the air and the water and the soil don't detect dangerous levels of these chemicals. But some locals, at least in the initial aftermath, uh, reported experiencing symptoms like rashes and headaches. And I know you established a health clinic in the immediate aftermath, but where does your Norfolk Southern's commitment to health concerns stand for the long term? You know, as I talk to the community members, that, that that is one issue that continues to come up is concerns about health. And I understand it completely. And so, yes, we did work with the state to set up a health clinic. Um, we've, if anybody has felt any sort of symptoms with which they are uncomfortable, we've encouraged them to go visit a local or a, a trusted health professional. And we're paying for those medical bills. And we are working with key stakeholders on establishing a long-term healthcare fund as well. And there's a separate medical monitoring program for first responders who were at the site, correct? Um, we, are, we are working with first responders on a number of issues. You know, one of the things that I really appreciate is just the, the first responders who rushed to the scene um, in response to the accident, right? They're the true heroes here. And one of the things that I was really pleased to be able to do is establish a first responder training facility 
here in East Palestine. We made a $25 million commitment working with Fire Chief Drabeck on establishing a first responder training facility that will enhance safety in the area, but also economic development. You know, it will bring in first responders from all over the region who will train here and they'll seek, find lodging here and they'll go to restaurants here and they'll go shopping here because of my deeper appreciation for first responders, right? They're, they dedicate their entire careers to protecting the communities in which we live. Yeah, I spoke with uh, Governor Mike DeWine uh, last month, and he was mostly satisfied with the response to the East Palestine uh, derailment. But one of his frustrations was particularly around interagency and inter like communication in those first hours and that first day after the derailment. So is that something that this new facility, the training is going to work on making sure like everybody's in the on the same page when an accident like this happens? You know, we've taken a number of steps there, but yes. Um, Training for first responders is is key to this. Uh, we train um, through our operations awareness response program about 5,000 first responders around our network every year. This regional first responder training facility in East Palestine um, is another component of training first responders. And Norfolk Southern was the first railroad to invest in a rapid SOS program, which is designed to in real time, push information out to first responders about the consist information on a train. Again, putting more information in the hands of the people who needs it. We take this very seriously. So in December, Norfolk Southern announced that its major re- remediation work in East Palestine was done. East Palestine, I'm sorry. And that meant that the relocation assistance for residents who chose to stay away until excavation activities were complete would also be coming to an end. So how did you decide when to end that assistance? And like, what is still going to be available for folks who haven't moved back yet? Throughout the process, the um, temporary relocation assistance program was designed to assist people who did not feel comfortable being in the area during the most intensive phase of the environmental remediation. Um, That most intensive phase ended in late October, early November. Um, and so we have, we're going to end the program in February. I'm really encouraged by the fact that the, a vast majority of the families in East Palestine are in their homes. There are about 50 families who, uh, who currently participate in that relocation program. And for those who don't feel comfortable moving back into East Palestine, we established a homeowner's valuation assistance program. To address that very issue. And that helps cover any like drop in home value so that they could get the most that they would have gotten out of their house, right? To take with them if they move elsewhere. That That's correct. Or even if the value of the house doesn't appreciate as much as the market value of other houses in the area has. So, you know, we've talked about a number of different programs from the training facility to the cleanup to the healthcare, And I'm just sort of curious, how much has Norfolk Southern spent in total um, on this? Well, our, our last reported estimate of current and future costs is about a billion dollars. Now, that does not include insurance recoveries or third party recoveries. Wow. And I understand that you guys have built a park in East Palestine, too. Well, uh, one of the first times I was here in the aftermath of the derailment, several of the community leaders 
took me to the park in East Palestine. It's a fantastic location. It's 81 acres, central in, in the village. And it, it draws people from the village four seasons out of the year. It's got a great pool. It's got basketball courts. It also draws people from the entire regional area. I'm told that it has uh, the best fireworks show this side of Pittsburgh. <laughs> and, you know, it was clear to me in that conversation that the park is a sense of pride and economic growth and development for the community. And it was clear to me that um, the community members wanted to invest in enhancing the park. And so we worked with city council and the community members on designing a plan that um, would enhance, allow us to invest $25 million in advance in enhancements in the park. And I'm, I'm really happy about that because it's, it will bring more people into the community and help the community thrive over the long term, which is one of our stated goals. Again, that's a promise that was made. That's a promise that's kept. I want to talk a little bit about potential federal reforms. So Ohio's Senators J.D. Vance and Sherrod Brown have been working on a package of reforms. Uh, but I want to ask you where you come down on certain ideas. So where do you come down on, say, tighter tank car standards? Obviously, it was these tank cars that had ruptures that ultimately led to the burn. Yeah, Norfolk Southern has been advocating for tighter tank car standards for almost a decade. Um, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, I, you have seen me as a vocal advocate offering my full-throated endorsement for many of the provisions of the Vance Johnson bill, or pardon me, the, the Vance Brown bill or, or the railway safety bills that are, are in the house as well. Right. It makes perfect sense. And, you know, based on the fact that the NTSB report, is focused on a catastrophic wheel bearing failure of a car that no railroad owns. It's clear to me that it takes an industry-wide response here. Um, and that, that includes railroads, certainly, but it also includes our customers and includes car owners as well. But we're not waiting to act. And so, you know, we instituted a six-point safety plan. I engaged with folks who used to run the Navy nuclear program and asked them to consult directly to me and spend two to three years at on Norfolk Southern working on our safety culture. And so I'm very fortunate. I got three former admirals who used to, to operate in the Navy nuclear program working on, directly for me as a consultant, advancing safety at Norfolk Southern. And it's yielding very positive results. Well, we're getting to the end of our time together, but I wanted to ask or rather give you the opportunity. Is there anything else that you'd like people to know about uh, the derailment in East Palestine a year later or what your commitment is to the people of Ohio in the next year or the next five, 10 years? You know, um, in the immediate aftermath, we said we we're going to do more than less and we we're going to make it right. And I was going to listen to the community on where to direct Norfolk Southern's resources. We've made a lot of promises and we've kept every single one of those promises. You know, I, I said that I want to develop a response where 10 years from now, Norfolk Southern can look back and be proud of how we responded. And more importantly, the citizens of East Palestine can look back 10 years from now and be proud of how we responded. And we are on a path to do just that. That was Norfolk Southern CEO, Alan Shaw. Thank you so much for your time today. It's a pleasure to be with you, Anna. We're going to take a break. 
And when we come back, we're talking about the state's response to the derailment and what cleanup has looked like from its perspective. That's when All Sides continues on 89.7 NPR News. This new year, LifeKit wants to help you succeed because everyone needs a little help being human. It can seem so overwhelming. You're not alone. Who can I commit to being? If you want to do something, then just do it. Just take that first step. Great advice every week. Listen to LifeKit from NPR. Welcome back to All Sides. I'm your host, Anna Staber. We're coming up on one year since 150 cars in a freight train carrying toxic chemicals derailed in East Palestine, sending those hazardous materials into the air, the soil, and the water. Ohio Senators J.D. Vance and Sherrod Brown drafted a rail safety bill to prevent another accident from happening, but a vote keeps getting delayed. Joining us now to talk about that legislation and the federal response is Ohio's Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown. Welcome to All Sides. Glad to be back. Thanks, Anna. Let's start with that rail safety bill. It would do a number of things, including increasing the fines for safety violations, add new procedures for trains carrying hazardous materials, and tighten regulations to prevent wheel-bearing failures, which are what caused the East Palestine derailment. So um, is that kind of a good overview, or are there other important things that the legislation would do? I mean, that, that's I mean, the, my job is really two things to, from 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 February of last year. It's why I've made, I believe, seven, eight, nine visits to East Palestine is I want to help people get their lives back in order by holding uh, Norfolk Southern accountable, uh, making sure the EPA and FEMA and the governor and the president do their jobs and passing a rail safety bill so this doesn't happen. Uh, unfortunately, in those provisions you talk about um, are in place in the bill. It's one of the reasons the rail companies are fighting it. I mean, they've they've opposed this bill from the beginning. Uh, it's too bad because I, this bill, Senator Vance and I wrote it based on what we heard uh, in visits when he went and when I went, what we heard in visits to Columbiana County to, you know, looking across um, the, the state line into, Dar- into um, uh, Darlington, I believe, Pennsylvania, and listening to people in East Palestine roundtables with the mayor, with people in healthcare, with small businesses, with farmers, uh, with industry to make sure this works right. And the bill makes sense. We just have to keep pushing it. Yeah, the Association of American Railroads has called some of these provisions, particularly the one requiring two-person crews to be micromanaging their industry and that this is a giveaway to labor. How do you respond to that? Well, I, I, that's just absurd. And I'll illustrate my story. So the uh, one of the rail CEOs, I can't remember, Norfolk Southern or CSX, came to see me. And um, they sat down and I said, welcome in. Uh, they, I said, did you fly in from Jacksonville today? And they said, yeah. And I said, well, did you walk by the cockpit? Did they have one pilot or two? And the guy laughed and he knew what I was getting at. But the fact is the public, this, these trains are longer and longer. Um, they're they're uh, at least 150 cars. Some are too big. The, the, um, the derailment in Springfield was more than 200 cars. The derailment in East Palestine carrying toxic materials was 150 cars. You're going to have one essential pilot on these planes or trains. It makes no sense. They know it. They just want to cut their labor costs. But this is the same 
company that laid off a third of its workforce over the last several years. Uh, so their stock price went up. Their quarterly earnings went up. Their stock price went up. Uh, bonuses went up for executives. And uh, their stock buybacks, they did very, very well. Thank you. And so um, they they know the more they can squeeze the workforce, uh, the better for their profits. The better. I, I want them to make a profit, of course, but not at the expense of public safety. When you when you lay off workforce, you don't do the track the inspections, the track inspections well enough. You ignore maintenance, and in our communities where the rail the, the, these these rail companies own the tracks, they own the little bridges going over city streets. I've talked to a Republican engineer, county engineer in, in Southwest Ohio and Butler County, talked to Democratic members of council in Cleveland. They don't get any response that they should get from the rail companies. Your bill also appears to be caught up in some election year politicking. So Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell is quoted as saying he might block the bill or outright delay the vote because, well, it would be a win for you and he'd sure like to take your seat come November. Well, I, 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 do you want a response to that? I, I don't know. I mean, I, my job is to get my, is to get my job is to get my job done to get this job done. And uh, Mitch McConnell has not been helpful in this. Uh, and my job is that, that the public wins. And if he wants to play games, he'll play games. But this bill is bipartisan. We have a number. Of, when I, when I listen to people, when I went to East Palestine, one of the many times, particularly at the beginning, I listened to people. We wrote a bill. I went to the Republican senator, my colleague. As a co-sponsor, uh, we then got several Republicans, several Democrats. That's how you get stuff done here. That's how I've been effective on pensions. It's how I've been effective on the child tax credits, how we wrote the infrastructure law for, for broadband in southeast Ohio and bridges across the Ohio River or across the Cuyahoga River in Akron, between Akron and Cuyahoga Falls. I mean, that's that's the kind of things we do to get stuff done. If, if Mitch McConnell wants to use his political power uh, to block the public interest. I guess I can't say anything other than he's wrong. You've also been working uh, with Senator Vance to convince the Biden administration to c- declare a public health emergency in East Palestine. So that would allow the federal government to provide additional resources to the community. What's been the pushback there? Well, it's, Senator Vance and I both called for it. Uh, this administration's done many things uh, that a disaster declaration would have accomplished in their executive order. I think it's kind of a difference in wording, um, but I understand people in the community want to see this done. Uh, the governor came to it rather slowly. I'd like the administration to do it, but my job is to keep pressuring the administration in Norfolk Southern, Norfolk Southern to fulfill their promises and the administration, whether it's FEMA or EPA, to deliver to the community what they need. Uh, I've joined the EPA state and federal when I've been in, in East Palestine, uh, particularly in the, say, I believe the second or third week after the after the derailment, when um, you know when we saw the the worst part of it, the, the from the fire, from the fires plural, and uh, from all the toxic chemicals and the trains, train cars all lying there on their side, looking like an insect turned upside down on its back, and um, you know I, I the, the, whatever it takes, I, I don't really care about what Biden thinks, what DeWine thinks, what McConnell thinks. My job is to get this done. And I'm working to get this bill on the Senate floor. It's taken too long. The rail industry is much, much too powerful. They have spent, last count I saw, something like 30 or $40 million to try to defeat this bill. And, and just the, the gall and the arrogance of that, that they caused great damage to a community that should never have to go any, through anything like that. There have been a half dozen derailments in Ohio in the last year or so. 
Um, they always spook a community. Sometimes they do major damage. The cleanup is too slow. Getting the cars, cars back right upside, uh, right side up, and getting them out of the community is too slow. And the arrogance of the railroads that they think because they got away with it throughout American history that they can get away with it in my state when I'm the senior senator in the state is wrong. So we spoke with the Norfolk Southern CEO in the previous segment, and one of the things he highlighted was that they've added more hotbox detectors along their rail lines. Was that at least a step in the right direction? Well, there have been steps in the right direction. Uh, I think rail safety, the trains are a little safer than they were a year ago. Um, But frankly, they're not safe enough. And why do they keep fighting the Rail Safety Act? Because they they will continue to cut corners. Again, for the last over the last 10 years, they've cut a third of their workforce. Their stock price has gone up. They um, it's the same Wall Street business model. You cut workers, whether it's auto or steel, or whether it's manufacturing or whether it's railroads, you cut workers, your stock price goes up, executives already making millions and millions, tens of millions for the CEOs, already making that kind of money, and then They think it's okay to lay workers off. Laying workers off like that always, always compromises public safety. I'm glad they're they're upgrading their technology, but the fact is a lot of this technology has been available for years, and they've refused to do it. And uh, frankly, railroads won't be safe enough until we pass the Rail Safety Act. That's, That's why we wrote it. That's why we're fighting for it. That's why the rail companies, in their arrogance, think they can continue to oppose it. You're also trying to push the EPA to offer more indoor air quality testing, and you've successfully gotten them, or not the EPA, but the federal government, not to impose taxes, right, on the money that Norfolk Southern has paid out. Yeah, from one, thank you for that question. From one of my visits, of the, I said six, seven, eight, nine visits, whatever it's been to East Palestine in the last year, uh, from one of them, I heard from people saying that this money that uh, Norfolk Southern has, if the right verb is reimbursed them, um, paid them for their inconvenience and health risks uh, and damaged their community, that there is some risk that they will be taxed on that because of the way federal law works. So I've written a tax bill. Uh, It's got three things in it. It's got tax breaks uh, for research and development. So companies will make things and they will do the research and development in the United States, keep that intellectual property, if you will, here and uh, jobs here, uh, expanded the child tax credit, which will affect the families of 575,000 children, and then a smaller provision, but one that's important to East Palestine, making sure people in this situation don't get a tax bill from the federal government. Uh, it's been a long shot. We've got it all in the bill. The Senate, the House Re- Ways and Means Committee with the Republican chair, whom I've talked to, passed the bill 40 to 3. Uh, we want to get it through the House floor. We want to do it in the Senate. Uh, we need to do it sooner rather than later because the tax season's begun, and this will fairly dramatically affect taxes. Big, big tax cut for middle-class working families, uh, big tax and significant tax incentives for R&D for Ohio corporations. My final question is, there are some people who still haven't returned to East Palestine, and Norfolk Southern is ending its relocation assistance What, if anything, would you want to say to the people who are still too afraid to move back and now don't know what they're going to do? Yeah, those are decisions that individual families make. Uh, I will continue to push Norfolk Southern to help take care of those families because they they did great damage to this company, this, this community a year ago. It's not entirely back to normal. Many people, everybody wants it to be, but it's not. And I, I think that 
that some businesses and farmers are still having some difficulty uh, getting back on their feet. And I would hope Norfolk Southern and urge Norfolk Southern to pay attention to those those um, problems. That was Ohio Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown. Thank you so much for your time today. Of course. Thanks, Anna. Thanks for the work you do at Public Radio. Joining us now is Republican Senator Michael Rooley. His district includes East Palestine, and he served as vice chairman of a Senate committee investigating the derailment. Welcome to All Sides, Senator. Good morning. At a Senate hearing shortly after the derailment, you said, this is not an easy fix, and Americans love easy fix. This is not going to happen here. Do you still stand by that statement? Absolutely. So how do you think things have gone in the year since the derailment in East Palestine, both in the response from Ohio and the federal government? Well, I think there's been a lot of progress made. I think we're probably maybe 60, 70 percent there. Um, I'm very happy with the way Ann Vogel of the Ohio EPA handled this. Uh, her and I work closely together. Uh, I was at, you know, I've been to East Palestine probably at least close a couple dozen times. And almost every time I've been there, Ann has been there. Uh, she's doing the hard work. We've opened up a permanent health center there. And then with our commission, uh, our committee, we secured funds, bipartisan funds, to make sure that we could do testing for the next 20 years. Um, it was a really rough start when we were trying to remove all the contaminated soil at ground zero. Um, there was a burning sensation in your throat, in your eyes. I live about seven and a half to eight miles away from ground zero. So this is very personal. Uh, I'm a small business owner and I have a handful of uh, employees that live there. So I get daily updates of what's going on. Um, what you've seen now though, since all the excavation of all the contaminated soil, and I do put some of the blame on Governor Whitmer from M Michigan. I think she had some tricks that she pulled when we were trying to have semi loads of contaminated uh, soil go to designated landfills within Michigan that were already designated by the national EPA. And Michael, the director of the national EPA, made sure those were in place. And she stopped and she turned some of those semi-trucks around and they went back to ground zero. And then the rains came and recontaminated the soil. There were problems. I think FEMA has been lackluster in their response. I think most of the credit goes to the business owners of East Palestine have really uh, rolled up their sleeves and got to work. Uh, I'm very proud of the $30 million that we worked with uh, the Ohio administration to try to get these businesses back to normal. Um, there's a lot. There's, there's a lot of work that's been done. There's a lot more work that has to be done. Um, you know, I always say when people say, what is the, uh, what is the attitude of East Palestine right now? And I say that there's a pie and there's three slices of the pie. Uh, and that pie has to do with the anxiety level. I think a third of that pie wants to go back to business as normal and uh, they are really the engine behind the, uh, the renaissance of East Palestine. And then, I mean, an example of that would be the fire chief, Keith. He's worked, I think he worked with the railroad. They are building a fire academy right on ground zero. And this fire academy is going to be amazing. One of the ugly truths that people don't understand is most fire uh, stations throughout this country, especially the volunteer, have no idea on how to put out a chemical fire. Okay. So in high that was that was going on with uh the night of the disaster we probably should have put 200 semi truck loads of sand and soil on top of that fire and we should have put it out like you do a grease fire 
on your stove. We should never have put in eight or 900,000 gallons of foam and water, which is what got into the creeks and allowed for the environmental disaster that we experienced. But these are things that you learn from. And uh, the people that are down there are learning this every day. Uh, so there are there is a lot of hope with uh, what's going down, uh, but we're not there. So you helped put some rail safety changes into the state budget, uh, but you're really limited, or rather Ohio is limited in what it can do because the federal government regulates most rail safety law. So I guess my first question is, one, do you think the Biden administration made a mistake in not declaring the site a public health emergency? I do. And then... Would you support the Vance Brown bill in its current form that's in the Senate? What I've read in the bill, I'm about 80% on board with most of the things that they were doing. And I love seeing that both sides came together. Uh, J.D. Vance is a good friend of mine, and I've been around shared many times. And so seeing them coming together for the greater cause of the people of East Palestine, I think is, is absolutely wonderful. I don't think that the casserole is completely finished. I think there's a lot of different things that could happen. So like when you mentioned the detectors, that's a very personal thing to me, because when you look at the disaster, a lot of bad things happened. Those bearings on that train started going bad in, in uh, Damascus, which sits about eight and a half, nine miles away from there. And then that train goes through Salem, which is my hometown, and we have doorbell cameras that show those bearings red hot. Once it gets in the Columbiana, New Waterford, the bearings are on fire. By the time it crosses over the border of East Palestine, the train's over. So why wasn't the inspection done properly? You know, living where we live, a lot of our friends work for CSX or they work for Nor Norfolk or they work for all these different train aspects. And they will all tell you that those trains are supposed to be inspected. I'm not positive on the number, but I thought it was 1,300 miles. They said that it is lucky if it's inspected one half of that. So there's a problem with inspection inspectors on the rail or the railroads. Uh, you know, Norfolk had the uh, engine. But most of those cars were not Norfolk. So the owners of the cars, the industry in general, we need to explain why the, the inspection, you know, uh, in retail, you have inspector, inspectors come in every day. And we need to be inspecting these railroads much better than we are. We just saw the problem in the air industry as far as bolts coming off of planes. This applies to the trains. How would you rate Norfolk Southern's response? Do you feel as though they're keeping the promises that they made in the days after the derailment? I think Norfolk, if you would have asked me the first like three or four months, I would have had absolutely nothing good to say. I think they're trying. I'm probably going to give them a B or maybe a B minus uh, because they really are trying. And I don't know of much that they have refused. Uh, one of the things I like that they did is them offering to pay the difference in the valuation of your property. So um, the county treasurer, Blakeman, did an assessment of everyone in the county, literally the fall right before the disaster. So everyone's property values were going to be valued at, at all time high because that's what happens when the property evaluations happen from the county treasurer. So what you see is you have a benchmark that is going to be beneficial for the homeowner. And so if the homeowner wanted to relocate and sell their house, Norfolk agreed to pay the difference in uh, the evaluation. So that was a step in the right direction. Um, you know, has it been perfect? Absolutely not. Uh, I would like to have seen FEMA get involved. I would have liked to have seen it as a national disaster. I think things would have moved much more quickly and swiftly. I think that these companies that own these chemical 
these chemical cars. And, you know, from being out there a couple dozen times, I've learned a lot. These chemical cars are supposed to be designed when they flip over. If you can visualize, it's like a capsule, like, like a capsule that you would take in a pill form. And there's a capsule within the capsule. And then it has gas that suspends that capsule in that car because it has flammable chemicals in it. So if the car falls like it did, the flaps are supposed to release that gas and that inner capsule is supposed to gently rest on that car. Well, that didn't happen in all four of those cars. And nobody seems to be telling me why. So when I say that we're not 100% there, that's just an example of one of the things that we're not there. When we go through $30 million of the state's money to try to bring, bring these businesses back to where they were before, and we still have dozens of businesses asking for more assistance, we're still not there. When we have the committee and we're going through to figure out how we're going to have finances so we can do testing on the human beings that live there, and, and not only in East Palestine, but in Agley, and even in the surrounding areas, we want to test for 5, 10, 15 years. We want to see if there's biochemicals in the air that are going to give us cancer. These, the, these are w why we're not done yet. But I would say the improvement is very healthy and it's very promising. That was Senator Michael Ruley, Ohio Republican, whose district includes East Palestine. Thank you so much for your time today, Senator. Thank you. Have a good day. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're talking with residents of East Palestine about what the last year has been like. That's when All Sides continues on 89.7 NPR News. This new year, LifeKit wants to help you succeed because everyone needs a little help being human. It can seem so overwhelming. You're not alone. Who can I commit to being? If you want to do something, then just do it. Just take that first step. Great advice every week. Listen to LifeKit from NPR. Welcome back to All Sides. I'm your host, Anna Staver. We're coming up on one year since a train derailed in East Palestine, sending hazardous chemicals into the air, soil, and water. Former residents still don't feel comfortable moving back. And joining us now is Purdue University professor Andrew Welton, who studies how to identify and eliminate health risks from communities. Welcome, Professor Welton. Thanks so much for having me. And East Palestine resident, Dr. Richard Chai. Welcome to All Sides. Thank you. I want to play an audio clip from an interview we did with Ohio EPA Director Ann Vogel. You know, it's been a year, right? So we do, don't have any science that suggests that there's still contamination that would pose a human health risk. We don't have any sign of contamination in the air, in the water, uh, in the soil. We, the point of a removal action after an environmental spill is to remove the contamination from town. So, you know, I, I think at this point, we don't have any reason to think that there is a risk to human health. Dr. Chai, how do you respond to Director Vogel's assessment of the situation? Oh, my, that's the first time I've heard that. Um, the EPA is either inept or they're lying to us. So I went down on Christmas morning because I thought it might be pretty profound if the I took a six week break, uh, even 
uh, for health reasons, staying out of the creeks. I've documented those creeks for over a year, and even uh, Dr. Welton has told me to stay out of them. Um, chemicals everywhere. Uh, chemicals running under people's homes. Um, I don't understand how she can say that. And Ann Vogel's always been so proud of, uh, she always talks about how the Ohio EPA was there two hours after. I still contend, for their initial report, the EPA saw, uh, witnessed uh, Norfolk Southern policing tracks over contaminated liquid and soil. That is the entity, the EPA, that is supposed to protect its citizens. Uh, why didn't they stop them? So they're just as, as complicit in this uh, as Norfolk Southern, as they have been. And that's why I'm running for Congress. The seat opened up, and I'm going to win this. Uh, you look at a person before they have any political aspect, uh, uh, you know, uh, to, to run for any type of political uh, seat, and I'm a non-politician. I never thought I'd do something like this. And you see what they've done uh, prior to any aspirations. I just did this to help the community and myself as selfish as well to help because I live there and I'm on a well. Um, I will end again with saying the uh, EPA is either inept or there's something nefarious going on. Do you drink your well water? No, I used to. That, um, oh. You know, and they refused to test my well. Even uh, Senator Vance heard that. He got angry, uh, asked the EPA to test my well, and they still wouldn't. So go ahead with Dr. Welton, and yeah. who I very much respect. Thank you. So, Dr. Welton, you've been doing testing in the East Palestine area. Uh, what is your take on whether there's still contamination in the at the site or in the surrounding waterways? Well, thanks for having me. I think it's important, one, to recognize that people on the ground did experience chemical exposures and get to see every day what is happening. We know that contamination still remains because the US EPA announced it in a newsletter that they have open sheens flowing in some of the creeks and the sediment. So we know that contamination remains. And I think one of the issues is, does the existing contamination that remains pose a health risk? We don't know that necessarily because even in November, the EPA acknowledged that they didn't really know what chemicals were in that sheen. So if you don't know what the chemicals are in the sheen, you can't assess health risks, and that is a challenge. And so um, hopefully there's more work to be done. Um, agencies don't pack up and leave. And you know, in closing, I would just say that there's a lot of medical monitoring that needs to happen, and we're talking millions of dollars. We're not talking small government-funded $50,000 studies. We need external experts to come in to do that medical monitoring. Dr. Chai, what is life like for you and the folks in East Palestine? Is it, does, do some days feel like back to business at normal? Uh, for some people it is. For people that care that there are, chemi there are chemicals in the town, uh, we're, we're very worried. Uh, Christmas morning was also the first time that I've ever used a shovel. I usually use a staff just to stir up the sediment in the creek. But I went two miles below the crash site into the park where children play. I shoveled dried dirt from the bank through that, chopped it up, threw it in the creek, and uh, uh, chemicals came out of that, uh, out of the, uh, out of the dried dirt into the water. So um, we're very concerned. And I heard Alan Shaw. I was treating patients, so I didn't get to hear everything, but I did hear where he said that uh, the soil and water is being shipped off site. Well. Coshocton, uh, Ohio is refusing to take our water now, uh, put injection wells uh, miles below the ground. So they're going to uh, send that water down back into our creeks. 
uh, once they treat it to accept their acceptable levels. So we're talking about releasing water into our creeks, contaminated uh, water that other areas will not even take and inject two miles into the ground. Uh, we're just furious about the whole thing. It's, there's a lot of stress, and the whole town is fractured. Professor Walton, you know, you analyzed honey from nearby apiaries. So but I guess why did you do that, and what did you learn from the honey? So when we were involved and were shocked at the scale of contamination that we found and just the chemical exposures in, in the injuries to people and businesses, we were contacted by a lot of people, a lot of different businesses. And one of the businesses were apiaries. And they said that they had, um, you know, uh, odor on their property right around their hives. They said they had over a million bees die the next day. And uh, they were very concerned about their products um, in being labeled as contaminated. They asked us for help. We learned methods and uh, were able to do the testing. We didn't find any contamination, um, but a lot of businesses had concerns. Uh, farmers, uh, as well as ranchers and such. Yeah, I've we've heard from people all over the community, even down to, right, the cattle farmers, down to the folks who, you know, have a play set in their backyard and wasn't completely sure whether they should be letting their children. Um, Dr. Chai, uh, there's a resident who recently said that every time it rains, it smells like chemicals in the community. Have you noticed that? A hundred percent. So, um, I don't go around all day thinking, hey, I wonder if it smells today. So if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, where that mist uh, hangs around the whole town, the other night it was just like that here. There was a, a rain that was almost like a mist. And when you'd walk into the town, it smelled like an open can of paint with some kind of burn to it. And it definitely gets worse when it rains or there's a mist or a fog here. Um, it just smacks you in the face. There's, I, I know in my heart, there's not enough testing that was done here. In fact, I'm the only person that went into the tunnels with uh, 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 military gear. The EPA won't even enter those tunnels. They sent a $70,000 Boston Dynamics robot dog. So uh, the best thing I think that we can do for this town is get me elected. I have a funny last name. It's T as in Tom, S as in Sam AI. And I really want to help not only this area in East Palestine, but uh, whether it's a train wreck or a disaster in your town, um, uh, I'll be there to help. And I will talk to the people on the ground, not to the, not to the, you know, the, the entity that caused. I'll talk to them as well. But um, a lot of politicians came in for photo ops and were concentrated on getting photos with uh, Norfolk Southern, including, um, uh, with all due respect, the person that was on before us. Um, so that's why I want to win this, and I'm going to win. Full disclosure, Senator Michael Rooley is also running for the seat vacated by Representative Bill Johnson. But, uh, Dr. Chai, I did want to ask that, you know, some of the interviews from local residents have talked about this anger and sadness over the divisions within the community, that people are exhausted, they have burnout from fighting for answers, and they're just very divided on how to move forward. Is that something you've noticed? It's a shame. Friends are fighting friends. Uh, when I first went in the creeks the first few weeks and I would video the chemicals that were everywhere, I would get comments like, shut up, you're going to ruin it for us. Norfolk Southern isn't going to buy our park. Or um, So and I was like, well, you don't want to know that chemicals are in your creek. Um, so, yes, there are people that and listen, I understand. And we all would want a, a town to be built up. Uh, but you have to put health first because 
Uh, you know, I, I don't want to go there, but if you're lying on your deathbed, you're not going to wish you had a brand new park. Um, so, and I'm not saying that's going to happen and, 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 right. and God willing, nothing happens, but, um, it's very fractured here. People, you know, and under, I understand businesses don't want people from out of town saying, well, I don't want to go to East Palestine because of the chemicals. So, you know, it's very, it's, it's just, it's been very, very hard on the entire town, both, both physically and mentally. Dr. Welton, uh, your report talked about steps for future disasters and how we what we could learn. So what are your lessons from East Palestine? Well, East Palestine was the most um, complicated and mismanaged disaster that I have ever seen. Unfortunately, it was partially due to the complexity of the science, but also the fact that this disaster was a national event. It was a national incident contamination went to at least five states. And so uh, what we had in some cases, because I had talked to the White House during the disaster response, was that the White House wasn't being provided the same information that was being discovered on the ground in East Palestine. And so they were sort of in the dark and in reasons for that need to be understood. So not only do we have to improve communication, but the statements that are made and the decisions are made has to be tethered to actual evidence in using the right equipment. And that was also an issue that we encountered in East Palestine and the surrounding area. Do you think there's been a challenge um, in explaining the science to folks? Do you think they have like science fatigue? That's a great question. So having responded to multiple chemical spills and elsewhere in wildfires, no, that that's not the challenge. The ch- because people generally understand illness and exposure and odors. What the challenge is is when agencies get involved and push information that is not valid or incorrect. For example, there is still contamination in the area. So the the public relations message that all the contamination's gone is not accurate. It's not true. And so these these slight, uh, messages that don't necessarily say things are untrue or true corrupts the public's understanding of what's going on. It overwhelms them with misinformation, and then that can compound mental health impacts, stress, and anxiety, where they can give up and say, I can't deal this with anymore, or move out. So we found many people in East Palestine and the surrounding area moved because they just mentally- That was, sorry, I'm so sorry, we're out of time. That was Andrew Welton, civil engineering professor at Purdue University. Thank you so much for your time today. And thank you. thank you to Dr. Rick Chai. Thank you so much. If we contribute DNA samples for a study, should the scientists share their results with us? Being self-determined, having autonomy over your own data, how it's consumed, how it's presented, I mean, everybody should have that right. Changing the relationship between researchers and the people who participate in their studies on All Things Considered from NPR News. This afternoon at 4 on 89.7 NPR News. Support comes from the Ohio State University School of Music in partnership with Buckeye Food Alliance. Opera Theater presents Engelbert Humperdinck's Hansel and Gretel February 9th through 11th. Performances are open to the public. Food donations will be accepted. More at music.osu.edu. This is WOSU-FM and HD1 Columbus, 89.7 NPR News. Global. Local.